So we have, uh, uh, I promised you that we will get back to uh, Book of Acts. But as I was going back to kind of review of the Book of Acts, and I started looking at those those later chapters. Uh, chapter we were we were ending in chapter uh, twenty and going into twenty one, I believe, and looking at twenty one through uh, twenty twenty six that that particular period. <clears throat> there's so much about Paul's travels, what he's doing, what he's experiencing what he's going through and it dawned on me that through this time period the apostle paul is being persecuted he is being beaten he is being uh, jailed he is facing all sorts of of trials and we talk about that a lot but what I think sometimes slips through the cracks is what he is doing during the times when he is imprisoned and what he is, is how he is being spirit-led. We talk about Paul's desire to constantly be obedient to the calling that, that God has given him. And what we what we sometimes I think forget is that during that process of him facing all these challenges, he's writing letters. He's letting the Holy Spirit guide him and he's writing all these letters and sending them off to people. And he's constantly taking the focus off of himself and continuing to encourage others through his writing and through that process. And it's amazing to me when you take a look at some of the things that Paul wrote during these challenging times and you see how much he was spirit-led, spirit-guided, and he stayed so incredibly focused on doing what God had called him to do, not only spreading God's word and and delivering the good news to the Gentiles and, and doing what he'd been called to do, but making sure that those that he had planted and worked with that were experiencing trouble and and turmoil, he was continuing to give them what they needed in order to be strong and continue on in the faith. Because the challenges that he's facing, the the folks who are are going against him saying that that he is, um, you know, he's he's breaking laws, he is uh, not speaking the truth and what have you. Every uh, Timothy is facing, Titus is facing, all these people that Paul had put in places to grow the church are experiencing similar things. And discouragement is coming for anyone who starts out on that path. And so Paul is taking an opportunity while he's imprisoned, while he's facing all these challenges, to write letters of encouragement to folks like Timothy. And so I thought this morning um, we would, would veer over just a little bit and take a look at, at 1 Timothy. I know it's a it's a pastoral epistle, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not even sure if, uh, Tim, have you, have you covered 1 Timothy some, mm-hmm. certainly uh, yeah. recently? I thought you had. Yeah. So, so some of you may have gone through this. It just dawned on me that you were doing that, or had done that. Um, but I want to go ahead and, and spend some time there this morning and, and try to contrast it with um, with what we know from the book of Acts that, that, that Paul was going through 
and for him to be able to have the strength and be led to write what he is writing. And so we'll start off reading here in 1 Timothy this morning. Um, Paul, again, in chapter 1, opens up the way that he opens so frequently with his greeting. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, in Christ Jesus, our hope. I find it interesting that in this letter to Timothy that he would kind of use those particular words. He would talk about God, our Savior, but he would he would specifically talk about Jesus Christ as being our hope, our hope for the future. So Timothy, if you're discouraged, Timothy, if you are having difficulty, Timothy, if you're facing challenges, remember where your hope lies. And so in that first sentence of, of this book, I, I, I find the importance not only to Timothy, but also for us. When we are facing challenges, when we are facing facing things that we don't understand, when we are, are being persecuted for our faith, when folks are looking at us saying, who do you think you are to tell me things that I don't need to hear? You know, I, like the, the experience I had in, in Georgia where I was talking to a Muslim and the, it was a wonderful exchange until I, I, asked the, I asked a very simple question about God. And the response was, don't you tell me what my God wants of me. I am a Muslim and I was born that way. And do not, do not tell me what my God wants of me. I know what my God wants of me. When you're faced with those types of things, do not forget where your hope lies. Remind yourself that our hope is in Jesus and our, and our, and our, our promises of what to come, come through what Jesus did for us on the cross and the, the fact that he's resurrected. Verse 2 says to Timothy, my true child in the faith. So obviously he's he, he has a, a very tight relationship. He's led Timothy, um, led Timothy uh, to salvation and shared with him the gospel. He says, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. But he begins with, and I think this gives you a great positioning as to what Timothy is facing. And again, remind yourself that what Paul is going through, and he has the wherewithal to put together this by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to send off a letter to Timothy knowing what he's facing. In verse 3 he says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons to not teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. So in other words, Timothy, you've got to stay strong. Timothy, you've got to, to talk to these people and you've got to make it clear to individuals and charge them. It's like a military term, right? It's, it's, it's you need to say this with authority that we need to stop talking about and devoting ourselves to things that go against the gospel. There is one gospel that's the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to stop going against these, uh, these, these myths and these speculations. And essentially, when you think about the words that Paul uses here, he's talking about people that aren't trying to answer questions, but trying to pose questions. And, and, and I'll put it to you this way. 
if if our focus is love, if our focus is on the gospel, and our focus is is using what we know to be true from scripture as healing, it's not to we're not using it to divide. We're not using it to stir up. We're not using it to for our for our um, personal satisfaction. And when you find false teaching, when you find folks who are dedicated to that approach, usually it's all about the effort to uproot. It's about the effort to, to not only maybe not uproot, but to chop down and to try and destroy the foundation that believers have. It was true then, it's true now. When we run into it constantly, and we see it everywhere. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him that first and foremost, your hope is in Jesus Christ. Do not forget that. Keep him at the center of everything that you do. But these false teachers that you're facing, you need to stand up and you need to make it very clear to them that, that we're not going to talk about these things. This is just a distraction. You know, I'll, uh, there are a lot of things in Scripture that we can use and talk about and go back and forth and, and have discussions on that will strengthen our faith. But there's a lot of things in Scripture that we can go back and forth that are non-essential items that we can talk about so much that it'll weaken our faith. And we can we can banter it about so much and go back and forth and back and forth that we let emotions get in the way and it starts to build up inside of us and we start to fight one another as opposed to lift one another up and do what we've been called to do. And so I take these warnings not only for those who are intentionally trying to cause unrest and problems, but for also those of us who are believers who, um, Jordan Jones like, used to like to say, we get on our hobby horses and, and we, we ride those horses and we won't get off of them. We're going we're gonna to standpoint on this particular issue that, that is a non-essential issue and is, it may even be open for interpretation. And we're going to stand there so firmly that we're going to drive a wedge between our brothers and sisters. And we need to be careful because we can do it without realizing it. I can think of a lot of those issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not hard to come up with something. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, when Brother Frank was here, he used to talk about, a, uh, if I remember correctly, he used to talk about a church he was pastoring that got into a, a big fight over, <clears throat> over the color they were painting the front door. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens. And, and if we're not careful, that's how Satan will take what we believe to be good and what we know to be true and twist it and, and use it within us to drive a wedge between believers and separate those who should be working together for God and moving forward. I'll pause there for a second. Any other comments or... Uh, that Muslim guy that I've become, we've only, we've only hung out one time, but we text back and forth every now and then. And it's been a couple, it's slowed, it's slowing down over time, but he texted me the other day and sent me this article of this Catholic priest that stepped, that has converted, he, this guy served in the church for 43 years and he's converted to Islam. And I guess he, uh, uh, Ibrahim sent me this 
article to try to get a rise out of me, I guess. And I said, well, I don't believe the, I don't believe in Catholic doctrine and the doctrine that I believe are two different things. And and uh, he's. He said something. Well, this guy served in the church for 43 years. You know, it's kind of jabbing me a little. It's it's friendly banter, but it's also not. Yes, exactly. And uh, so he's, you know, we had a back and forth. I said, well, it's no surprise to me that that people uh, are in churches that don't believe in Jesus. People, there's people in all churches that don't believe in Jesus, and. Uh, I can I, I would like to be. I don't have my phone on me, but I wouldn't read the whole conversation anyways. But um, I said to him, people didn't even believe Jesus when they were looking him face to face. Yeah. So this is this comes as no surprise to me. But I'm not going to stop following Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so have a nice day. That's right. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's, isn't that what happens though? You know, for for every for every ten positive things that we can say and don't we find just as many or twice as many negative things that people say because it's it's i like equate it this way when you go online to look at reviews how many negative reviews do you see about something you're going to buy versus you know when people are when people are negative they don't have any problems talking they don't have any problems saying what they feel, it seems, whether it's online or in person. But when it's positive, it, it's, it doesn't come as easily. We don't hear as much about it, right? You know, someone will insult me faster than they will compliment me. Right, Scott? I have never insulted Wow. like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just when you're back there in the corner of the room, and I'm and my and I'm doing my thing back and forth, looking at people. I land on you. You're just there. You know, you're just. It's easy. And you did have that pink toboggan on earlier. Yeah. yeah <laughs> easy part. <laughs> well, and, there, and there's and there's a certain is there not a certain amount of of um, I want to call it pride that sometimes we feel. When we find a, a gotcha moment, you know, and we want we want to take that that gotcha moment, and we want to poke somebody with it, and we want to say, "Did you see this? Did you see this? See, I told you I was right." And and examine that because because we're talking about it coming from outside to us, but I want to stay too with, with that warning that we can bring it inside and use it against our own and ourselves and our families. Far too quickly. I'd say it's all pride. When you think yeah. about that's a, that's an old adage. I think uh, like if you ever studied marketing or anything, they'd always tell you remember that anybody that's displeased, well, you'll hear ten times more from them than the one person who's pleased. And then if you think about it, if you went and you got something, it it was a piece of crap. You felt cheated. Your pride's your you ripped me off. Sure. And I want my pride stung. And I'm gonna give it to you. You know, I wanna you even. Yeah. And that's I think that's what they're like. Versus if you feel wow, this is great. So so would you call that a form of vengeance? I think so. To some extent. And then there's there's other there's other genuine. I mean some people are like, man, I hope other people don't get caught off guard with this job. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you want to serve in that capacity and I think there's a healthy mixture of both, but 
but there's nothing like that person who felt like the server was rude, you know, and they just, they can't wait to talk to the manager. They want to get back, you know? Yep. Go on Yelp and give you, want to give you a half star. Yeah. yeah, you don't cheat me. You don't disrespect me. You don't, you know, and it's always me, me, me. So that's, that's right there's your cue. That it's probably a pride. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, when it when it becomes about me, when it becomes about how I feel and only about that, then we've got we've got issues. And as we as we go further down um, through this this first chapter, we're going to find that that's one of the things that Paul cautions Timothy about that that the false teachers are are doing things that are based in vanity. They are doing things that are based upon self edification. And that's one of the ways that you'll be able to tell the difference with who you're talking to. It, are, are, the, are the words that I'm hearing and the actions that I'm seeing edifying <coughs> the individual? Or are they edifying God the way that we understand that they should be? And, and so let, let's take these words that, that Paul has given to Timothy and use them in our application today as we as we serve and do what we need to do. Um, Let's, let's go back into verse 6 here. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. There's that word. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So in other words, these false teachers, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. They're not... They think they're they think they are educated. They think they know what they're talking about. But Paul is saying they just don't have a clue. In verse 8, he says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, Men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. It's a trap that we fall into when we start talking about God and we start thinking about God. We want to focus on God's love. Nothing wrong with that. Modern day Christian music focuses very heavily oftentimes on, on God's love and how much God loves you and I want more of you and, and all that. And we can talk all day about does the, does the New Testament free us from the law and what does that mean by saying we are under the law of Christ, not under the law of Moses, and we can have all these discussions. But keep in mind what Paul says here in verse 8. He says, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. The piece that we are missing so frequently from our, our, our writings, from our songs, from our teaching, from our preaching, from wherever you look, is we want to take away the part of the gospel that is offensive. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we don't want to talk about sin. What's that? Joel Osteen of the gospel. That that type of approach. Yeah. That type of approach. And and we've and 
And what I think that we need to make clear here is that that Paul is, is saying, and I think about James, when I read the book of James, now James says that, that the scriptures should be a mirror that we look into. And I go back to that frequently, but it's true that we need to understand why we need a Savior to begin with. If you take away the law, then you you have no understanding of what you're breaking so that you need a savior in order to be saved if you think that you are not breaking any laws if you think that you don't need salvation it's difficult to accept the savior so when, when we talk about how the law I think you hear uh, what's his name um, oh, from way of the master What's his name? What's that guy from Australia? Ray Com Ray Comfort. Comfort. Yeah, Ray yeah, Ray Combs was the host of Family Feud local comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ray Comfort. But but Ray Comfort talks all the time about how the, the law brings grace um, or, or brings uh, keeps, <coughs> What is it? It basically it humbles you, and then and then you get through through Christ, you get grace. So it, 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 you know, take the proud, the proud, and humble them, and then bring grace to the humble. And so, without the law as that mirror to show us what we're doing wrong, to show us that we're not the perfect person we think we are, and using that in a lawful way and being able to openly talk about sin and have an understanding of what it is, what it means to, to really break God's heart. If we don't know that and don't understand that, then I'm not sure we can say that we truly understand what it means to be saved. And so when you start talking about folks who, quote, don't know what they're talking about, they have... With or without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And then he talks about how the law needs to be used and the law is good. Let's not forget that it is good to talk about sin in the right light. Tim Walcher, who was the Iwana missionary that, that I refer to so frequently, he would always say, we, we have to talk about Satan, but we don't want to do it too long. He says, with the kids, make sure they know and they understand what they're dealing with and what sin is. But let's don't make it the, the central focus. Let's keep Jesus the central focus. But at the same time, they have to understand why they need a Savior. And so it's it's pretty, I love to hear that. I just, that's so cool. They haven't been doing that the last two weeks we've been in here. That's nice. So, and then he goes through then a series of references to essentially different sins, but really he's he's referring to different commandments, and and he's he's referring to some some things that encompass um, quite a lot. And let's read back through those again. He says, uh, "I'll just start at verse nine. Understanding this that." law is not laid down for, for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So it's kind of like 
hey, I'm going to give you a list of things that I'm talking about, and then I'm just going to give you a catch-on phrase. Because if you run into anything else that goes against sound doctrine, it's a sin. It's wrong. It's blasphemy. And let's make sure we stay focused upon what we're supposed to stay focused upon. And so this is this, this is how Paul is, again, let's refer back to, this is how Paul is, is thinking while he is in chains. This is how Paul is using his time while he has been beaten and persecuted and trying to travel from point A to point B and do what he's been called to do and spread the gospel among among so many. And yet he has this, this guidance by the Holy Spirit to sit down and say, I'm going to write these words to you to encourage you so that you may encourage your flock as well. Any comments there before we move a little bit further ahead? I'm going to see if I can find this here real quick. Yeah, here it is. I was looking, I found a, a, a reference in a, one of the commentaries here about um, the commandments that Paul is, is really covering there. And it's it looks like he's going in order of five through nine. Because if you, if you look at the first thing, he talks about striking fathers and mothers. And so honor, honor that father and that mother. And then number six, thou shalt not kill. Talking about murderers. And then the sexually immoral, thou shalt not commit adultery in uh, seven. And then he goes on to talk about um, enslavers, liars, perjurers. And so he covers the thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, because um, he's talking about essentially kidnapping. Um, and then about lying. And so he's chosen to cover that those particular commandments as it goes down the list. Uh, let's go ahead then and I don't know if I want to get into too much more at this point, moving about four minutes now. <coughs> but I'm at a pretty good stopping point. I don't want to shortchange anybody. But uh, because you come for the entire thing, right? Yeah. Because I don't give you refunds if you stop early. <laughs> it's not like you're it's not like you're going to uh, I'm gonna put that on Yelp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, on Sunday school. <laughs> oh wow, so I'm negative now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say you started five. Oh Roy, okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, no. <laughs> We'll jump, we'll, we'll jump back in here. I think we'll probably go through some more of this. Um, but again, I'm trying to take this from the approach of look at look at Paul's mindset. Look at what he, how, how truly dedicated he is. And then we want to take this and not only look at this from the standpoint of what does this mean from the, uh, the standpoint of a pastoral um, letter, but but what does it mean for us as believers and church members? And I apologize if I'm going in the area you've been in uh, before, and we can keep covering it over and over. That wouldn't be enough. Fair enough. I like what you said about, or when you said about the the offensiveness of talking about sin and things like that. It just made me. It just made me think about. Uh, 
how, I don't know if the gospel is offensive, but if you think about like people dying, if you're around people that die that aren't really faithful Christians, they'll say things like, oh, he's going to be in heaven, you know, and and what when you sit among that, like, oh, what, am I, what am I supposed to say here? Like, it is a bit offensive that not everybody goes, you know? So uh, you see a lot of like cultural, um, like sort of social media faith, like, oh, he gained his wings today, or yeah. or he's in, you know, we know he's in heaven. It's like, do we? Did we see fruit in his life? Was he, did he ever say the name of Jesus out of his mouth ever in his whole life, you know? Uh, it's it's heartbreaking, you know. It's, it it's unfortunate that not every that that narrow is the path to righteousness and broad is the gate to destruction. That's that's offensive, but it's, it's a truth. It's a biblical truth, you know. It's hard for people to see the difference in a good person and a person who's good with God. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, David Platt would say there are no good. There people. are no good people. That's right. <laughs> he sure would. He sure would. And and that's you know that's one of the things. The first time I ever heard that, I actually. Uh, um, I was listening to uh, something from Todd Friel, and he said the question is the question is always posed to him: Why did God let this happen or that happen? They're good people. This was a good person. Why did that have to happen? He said, once we grasp hold of the fact that there is no such thing as a good person, that we are all sinners, and we got we have to lose this 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 tight hold that we have on the worldly definition of good and understand that the Bible says no one is good but God. And once we put that in perspective and realize that the Bible teaches us that we all fall short of God, then none of us are good. Therefore, we are all sinners and and the wages of sin is death. You know, the, the truth is there. It's do we do we have the courage to accept it? Do we have the courage to believe it? And do we have the courage to teach it? And, and far too often, we run into that situation where um, we just we don't want to turn people off when we're talking to them. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's like I said, the gospel, the gospel certainly can be offensive because it because it 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 condemns us for doing what we want to do. Nobody wants to be told to not do what you want to do. You know? I, I got freedom. I can make my own decisions. How refreshing, though, is it? I, I don't know the scripture, but or I'm definitely paraphrasing when it says, you know, a hundred good people doesn't matter, but when one person repents, all of heaven rejoices. Yeah, it's the parable of the lost sheep. Yeah, it's, it's and it's it's been that's like you don't have to be content, and it's not asking much of you. It's it's really it's just placing your hope there, and that's it. And I think then as long as we all stay away from that, I'm finally I'm finally holy. I'm good. We we daily we reckon on a daily basis that now we're, we're a little short here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if we stay in God's word, we'll find those reminders. If we stay in God's word, we'll find every day the things that we need to be seeing that remind us of who we really are and who we are in Christ. And, and we need to keep those two things in proper perspective all the time.
that's a challenge. It's sort of funny how but when, the more mature you think you are becoming, or maybe you are, but this, I'm speaking for myself. You, you're getting, I'm gaining spiritual traction the more aware I am of my sinfulness. Yeah. So it's like the the closer I get to God, the more wretched I see myself. That's like, exactly right. <laughs> what am I thinking? What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> how did I ever think that was okay? Yeah. You know, just those types of things. Yep, I'm with you. Hey, will you, will you, will you uh, change that rating? <laughs> Maybe okay. Because we went over now. Two seats. Uh, All right, so. That's our kids. You know, I got to talk to them. Now you get negative for going over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to shh. Right. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, I appreciate the discussion. Uh, we'll we'll kind of pick up there again and, and uh, hit it again next week and keep moving forward. So um, let's go ahead and, and uh, be dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for um, for allowing us to be here this morning and having the freedoms that we have to study it, to discuss it, and to, and to just to, to reach out to you. Father, just, just thank you. Lord, be with us as we depart this room. Help us to, to, to focus on what we need to focus on. Be with Brother Tink this morning as he deliver, delivers the message and the words that you've laid upon his heart. Lord, I just pray for those who are listening that, that they too will have open hearts. And they'll hear the message you want them to hear. And uh, we pray that new relationships will be formed and existing ones will be strengthened. Thank you so much, Lord, for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.